Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I am one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Shane Reeves. You know, September is great in Brentwood because you know October's just around the corner. But does it seem like August has cooled off rather nicely as well this year? You know, knock on wood, but I think we only got about two weeks of summer this year. I mean, it didn't get really warm overnight until right at the beginning to, to mid-July, and then it has started cooling off pretty rapidly the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we haven't had a lot of weeks where it was just, okay, I absolutely cannot go do something today because it's too hot. Right. You know, if it don't involve water, but... A very special cigar cast tonight is the Cigar Cast Under $8. Bum, 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 bum. We're going to talk tonight pretty much um, exclusively. I want to review a whole bunch of cigars under $8 because with prices going up and everything changing in the industry as, a, as it pertains to the FDA lawsuits, as it pertains to new taxes being added by different cities and states. Not to mention you've just paid for all of your kids' back-to-school clothes and you're looking to protect the wallet a little bit right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time of year to, to find that gem, that cigar that's 8 9 maybe even $10 that tastes like it should be a 12 or $15 cigar. Exactly. So tonight... I'm going to smoke a cigar that's near and dear to my heart. All right. I should smoke more of these, but we've spoken before about the Baccarat. The Baccarat is made in the Camacho factory. No, it's cigar under $8, not cigar box under $8, Shane. <laughs> well, I'm, you know me, I'm always up for, the de- for a deal. What this country needs is a good five-cent cigar. But the Baccarat... Wasn't that the cheroot you had with uh, Bo a few months ago? I don't qualify that as a cigar. Uh, that is, that's Franken smoke, <laughs> something along those lines. So what's interesting is they're made in the Camacho factory, and they use an interesting process on this cigar. They use a sweet gum to hold the cap on. So when you start this cigar, you always start with just this little. It's not flavored, but this little hint of sweet. Whenever I smoke this cigar, it reminds me of my father had a business partner many years ago and during the summer when I would work with dad and we would be on our way home from a day's work his partner would always reach in his pocket and pull out an old King Edward came in the paper box I'll be surprised if any King Edward paper box still exists right but he would pull one of those out and he would fire that up in the truck and of course it was before the days of King Cab trucks I'm starting to show my age here so you're sitting in the middle of your dad and his business partner with your one leg a straddle of the gear shift. Exactly. Painting a word picture. I'm, I'm getting it. And he would fire that cigar up, and I remember the look on his face. He looked forward to that cigar all day. I don't think his wife let him smoke at home. And all, the gentleman's name was Jimmy Donaldson. Jimmy was as good a man. He was a big coon hunter. And he smoked when he coon hunted, and he smoked when he... um was on his way home from work so this cigar always makes me think of jimmy so this is just one of those cigars that takes me back i just have a lot of a lot of love for this cheap little cigar so i mean for the cigar as a cigar and and taking the nostalgia out of it what is it about that cigar that you that you like it tastes 
it's impossible for me to take the nostalgia out. Okay. Because it was ingrained at such a young age, the taste and the smell of that classic cheap cigar yeah. was ingrained in my head so thoroughly. I don't know that I can take the nostalgia out of it. I I'm pride myself on having a malleable brain, but I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can actually do this cigar without thinking to... When I first started smoking, this was one of the first, quote, premium cigars that I ever bought. Okay. So, just a great cigar. Um, if you've never had a Baccarat, you owe it to yourself to have one someday before you die. And what's the uh, price point? Price point on the Baccarat is less than $5 in most cases. Um, here on Cigar.com, they're selling the Churchill, the 6x54, for 6 bucks. Per stick. You can buy a whole box of these for $75. Oh, all right. So just a great cheap smoke. So tonight, uh, I'm actually going to be smoking the La Florida Los Antillas Maduro that came out last year by the My Father Factory. I've always been a big fan of the Florida Los Antillas, or FDLA as we call it for short, just because it, it's from the My Father Factory. And to my knowledge, I've never had anything out of that factory that I didn't like. There's something about the way it's constructed and expertly blended that really suits my palate. Nothing they do is short of medium to medium plus, which I really enjoy. And you just get a lot of that, that kind of spice and earth notes right up front. It's one of those where you put your lips on it before you even, um, before you even light it up and you can already taste the flavor of the cigar and I really I really like that and it retails that's one of those that you know your results may vary it, depending on the shop and the taxes in your state it may creep up over eight dollars a little bit but MSRP on it is right around the eight dollar mark well and I think we can hit on that real quick while we've got a moment all the cigars that we're going to mention tonight as cigars under eight we're talking about the manufactured suggested retail price um, your brick and mortar store, you know, if it's downtown in the middle of the high rent district, they're going to have a couple extra bucks added to their cigar. They got to cover their costs. Right. But you're also, you know, you're also paying for the Wi-Fi that you're going to use while you're there. You're paying for the chairs, the nice leather chairs. You're paying something for the ambiance. Yeah, absolutely. So if we just because we say it's under eight dollars, probably shouldn't yell at the owner if it happens to be nine and a quarter. Right, exactly. And I know you know from my experience when I lived in Atlanta, you know it, Georgia has a twenty nine percent excise tax on all, every cigar that comes across state lines. So regardless of whether they're just playing straight markup or if it's just sometimes it could just be the state tax that creeps it up over that benchmark as well. Now is it just me or do do um, cheap cigars seem to burn hotter. I think so. It seems to me that one of the, the hallmarks of the less expensive cigar... Now, this cigar is still great craftsmanship. It's still well put together. I've never had a structural failure from a Baccarat. So it's still a well put together cigar. It just seems to me to be a little more flammable. I know when I smoke this cigar that it's going to smoke just a little bit hotter than what they standardly would. So, great experience in my life this week. All right. I play the long game in life. I pride myself that I lay down jokes and I keep jokes ready, waiting for that perfect moment in which to unleash them upon an unsuspecting world. 
was sitting at Red Lobster with my brother and one of his friends, and I got to finally use a joke that I've had loaded for two years. Now, is this a joke that is uh, friendly to the airwaves? Oh, yeah. It's, it's actually more of a pun than a joke, I guess. It's more of a... Just a, it's a, it's low hanging fruit. All right. But how many times in your life are you going to get to use it? So we were talking about jerky of all things. We were talking about different jerkies out there, and the guy that we were having dinner with happened to just went to the jerky hut, and he finally said it. He said, "Yeah, I had some kangaroo jerky," and I said, "I had to quit kangaroo jerky. It makes me jumpy." <laughs> Now, that's a terrible joke, and I waited a long time for the payoff, but I still love it when the long game pays out. When you really start working the long game, and that pays out. So, that's our, that's our totally unrelated to cigars this week. That's a, anytime a well-crafted pun gets to sneak into your evening or activity, it, 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 to me, it's an added level of the experience. I'm a huge fan of the pun. I would love to be one of those guys that can just come up with stuff like that off the cuff, but I tend to have to do a little more legwork. <laughs> so, other news this week. So, this week, Half Wheel ran a great article about the six things that the FDA delay actually means for cigars. And I want to take a minute and break this down for our listeners who may not have read it. And really break down, because as we've spoken about before, they've announced a delay on the cigar approval process and moved the date back to August 2021. It was was, uh, February that they had the original date. Now they've moved it way out there. So what does that mean? Now, and it's important to remember to remember as well that you know a lot of what you've heard about the FDA regulations is coming from people who have an opinion on the matter. So there's probably from a consumer level a lot of misinformation out there as well. So the intention with this uh, from what I understood from the article is that they're trying to you know kind of weed out some of that editorialization and actually give you you know brass tacks on what you're actually looking at. Yeah, the number one point they make is no other deadlines have been changed. They just pushed back all cigars have to be approved by 2021. So they haven't, it's not, as, it's not as significant step as you might think on the surface. But as these six things kind of show, it does go deeper than that. Um, the smart money was right. The number two thing is delays. That when they announced this legislation, all of a sudden lots of delays started coming through and filing through. Um, we had Jay Drescher on. And he gave us his opinion off the air from a legal perspective. And he said, it sounds like they're trying to just get enough time to make a compromise that works for everybody. Right. And that and that makes sense when you start looking at all of the the ebb and flow that takes place in any type of political environment like this, where everyone has their benchmark for success. And it's usually somewhere way closer to the middle than whatever the initial start out point is. Well, the third thing this does is smaller companies, what we call boutique companies, and newer cigar companies, this is a huge win for them. This gives them a chance to really start pushing and establishing a customer base. The second half of the show, I want to circle back around to this because there's an aspect of managing a cigar shop that I want to get your opinion on. Okay. 
um, all goes well in my life, one day I plan to own a cigar shop on a beach somewhere where I can really, you know, sell cigars and watch the sunset coming over the ocean. That sounds pretty magical to me. But here's the big one. I think number four is the biggest one. Phantom brands were a great idea. So what happened when FDA first started announcing all this? Rocky Patel was the leader in this. They filed a whole bunch of brands of cigars that didn't actually have a cigar attached to it. But they went ahead and got them in the process so that when they do attach a cigar to it, they, will have, they won't have to go through the approval process. It's a known quantity and it's ready to go. Right. They're trying to get out ahead and get grandfathered in. Right. So it really proves that that, but now there's estimated that there's up to 15,000 Phantom brands of cigars out there right now. Well, you hear about this, or you used to hear about it a lot more before all of this FDA talk got started a few years ago, which is, you know, General was notorious for this, where they would go out and buy a brand that used to be a real cigar brand and that had just died. Nat Sherman was one of those, um, granted not general, but you know it was one of those that had essentially gone to the wayside and, and used to be a huge market share participant and then had sort of lost favor and then slowly, like a phoenix, rose out of the ashes. And so there's a lot of those brands out there, like you know King Edward probably is one of those. I know they're still making them, but I'm sure there are brands like that that used to be well-known in the industry that eventually just sort of died off that the naming the name rights are still there so why not just go grab that and just build it back up the day could come when black and mild would be a high quality cigar i'm not going to hold my breath on that one (laughs) i don't think you could hold your breath tonight no i couldn't not at all (laughs) the number five thing is it proves the lawsuit is working It proves the FDA has found out this is not just going to be a smash and grab. They're really going to have to work and get enough approval to actually make this happen. Right. That's that's huge. That's one of those things that's really huge. It shows that because I've dropped several bucks. You know, every cigar shop you go into has a bucket there on the counter of, hey, money to help fight the FDA lawsuit. Right. And I've dropped several bucks in there. I'm sure you have as well. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have. And this proves that there is getting to be a little return on investment on that particular type of maneuver. Well, it takes a little bit of the powder out of the gun. You know, we've proven that they're not just going to walk all over us. They're going to have to work for it. Well, and number six, it proves the hope of a complete reevaluation of the process is alive and well. And I think... Scott Gottlieb being in charge of the FDA has more to do with it than this particular motion. Because I do think he was appointed because Trump and several other people do have um, constituents that are, you know, they are part of the cigar industry. And they, they do have, they do recognize what a value the cigar industry is. And that's really important because it gives us a better voice. Yeah, and you think about the amount of money that goes through a cigar shop every week. That All that money's taxed. Right. And I would argue taxed at a much higher rate than Walmart. It is, in fact. So I can definitely see how these six things really have made a difference in that FDA lawsuit. And that really makes me happy. So what's another cigar under $8 you really enjoy? All right. right, we're going to keep a show theme. I like this. I like the idea. So... Uh, one of my go-tos whenever I think about a cigar under $8 is from Illusione. 
and they've actually got two on my list, and so I'll go ahead and mention both of them. Number one is the Gigantes, which is a, it's not quite a 6x60. What's it, a 56, I think? Yeah, it's a 6x56. Yeah, I think so. Um, just full of flavor. It's Dominican cigar, so it's, but it, it packs a lot of, you're looking at me funny. I'm, it is a Dominican cigar, right? I don't know why I was thinking Nicaraguan. Well, while you look that up um, <laughs> and prove me to be a buffoon, I will talk about the fact that it retails right around the eight dollar, so right right around the eight dollar range. But you get a lot of flavor for that, and you get a brilliant entry point to the Illusione line. Illusione, they don't do a lot of marketing. Their boxes aren't fancy. They're standard wood boxes with stamped names and logos. But they make some of my favorite cigars. And you, odds are, if you've never smoked one, you've probably walked by a couple hundred of them in your local brick and mortar and just not noticed them. The other thing, you have an answer for me. Well, no, I was going to contribute on Illusione. But since I do now have an answer, Illusione cigars are made from tobacco grown in the Somoza fields of Nicaragua. All right. You have proven me wrong. I thought they were Nicaraguan I, because I like them too well for them to be Dominican. Fair enough. But, the you know, the first Illusione I had was the Gigante and just enjoyed that cigar tremendously. I've probably had 20 of them since then. Oh, I, I've probably put a couple of boxes worth away. It just It's one of those go-to cigars for me that, especially we talked a few weeks ago about, is it going to be a one cigar night is it going to be a two cigar night and if it is just going to be a one cigar you're going to make it worth it a gigantes is going to last you at least an hour and a half depending on how you smoke and so you really do get your money's worth out of a, a relatively inexpensive cigar now on the other side of that you've got the rothschild which retails right around the 595 range so significantly under that eight dollar benchmark that we've set for ourselves and common misconception is that it's actually the same blend as the Gigantes, but they're actually different cigars. Well, you see, that's what I was going to ask, because that was introduced to me as, oh, this is the same blend as the Gigantes, it just doesn't take you as long to smoke. Yeah, they're actually slightly different. I find the the Rothschild to be a little bit more flavorful in terms of some of the, the leather and spice. Now, some people will tell you that's the difference just in the size. But I've heard from people that, whose opinion I trust on the matter that they are, in fact, two different blends. Similar, but different. So I think the, the undisputed king in the heavyweight division of cigar companies, of cigars under $8, has to be Rocky Patel. When you get to the big guys, the guys producing 10 million cigars and above a year, I think Rocky Patel's Edge series, all of them retail under $8. The Sumatra is excellent. The Habano is excellent. One of the ones that we've profiled before on the show, I think it was the third show, I actually smoked an Edge A10 Toro barber pole. Yes, I remember that. Now, it is a Honduran tobacco. The filler is Nicaraguan and Panamanian, which is a little different. The wrapper has Honduras and Costa Rica barber pole. Now, barber pole cigars for those out there is basically a double wrapper technique. Yes. And that's a super complex cigar for not a lot of money. It is. And the, the nice thing about the barber poles, I don't know anybody who has a palate discerning enough to taste the different notes as they go through the cigar. However, it does look pretty. And sometimes that's all that matters. 
Well, and it has that bright green wrapper on it, so you can slip one of them in at St. Patrick's Day every now and then if you have to. That's exactly right. But also the regular Edge, the classic Edge Connecticut, the Edge Maduro, the Edge Habano, the Edge Sumatra is one of my very favorites. You always know these cigars when you go into the cigar shop because they're in the gigantic box of 100. Right. Now, do you think the box of 100 affects the flavor of these cigars at all as opposed to being in a standard box of 20? I, you know, I really don't. I, we've talked about this before off the air, and I think, you know, from a shipping perspective, obviously those boxes, the way they're constructed, aren't going to hold a whole lot of humidity in, but I would have to imagine, and of course they're shipped with packs and things like that, but I would have to imagine that the extra density of cigars in that box allows them to hold on to more of their own humidity a little bit better. I don't know. When I walk into a store and I see a box of 100, even, you know, the LFD Grand Cru is in boxes of 100. I just, I don't know. It feels like a cheaper cigar. Yeah, I'll give you that from an appearance standpoint. And I think maybe if you're talking about shipping to home, as far as making a difference from a humidification or a quality standpoint, there may be, depending on how long UPS let it sit on their truck that day and things like that. Where, But in your brick and mortar, it's going to be sitting in a perfectly climate controlled room for long enough before you get to it that I don't think you should have any problems. Well, and people will be grabbing them out of there two or three at a time. So it has time as you work down the box. I will say, I've never had one burn crooked. They've always burned straight. They've always burned even. If you'll look at this Baccarat I'm smoking, I'm about halfway through it, and it's still just as even and smooth as it can possibly be. Yeah, and that's, I mean, construction doesn't cost any extra. Blends and different tobaccos, those things will cost a little bit extra, but construction is construction. That all comes down to the skill of the roller and the quality of the original parts, so to speak. Well, and the, the pride the company theirself takes into right. the cigar. Okay, another one of my favorite, less expensive cigar brands, and this company, they fall kind of in between the heavyweights and the lightweights. Um, they're kind of the middleweight champion okay. is La Aurora. They're one of those that fly under the radar for so many people. Well, and they've got the big lion on the wrapper. They have a little more decorative wrapper. Not as decorative a box, still a pretty simple box. That's one of the hallmarks, I think, of these less expensive cigars is they don't spend as much money on packaging. But the La Aurora, the one I'm looking at here is the 107. It's medium bodied, but I've always found them to be, you know, plenty complex for my palate. Always really enjoyed those. The filler is Dominican and Nicaraguan, and the binder is Dominican. The wrapper is Ecuadorian. Just great cigars for the money. I just, I can't say enough about how much, how many La Auroras I have enjoyed this year. Um, You know, when I'm fishing or when I'm playing golf or when I'm going to do something where the cigar is definitely in a physical danger. Right. I don't want to pull out a, you know, Opus X Lost City. Yeah, something that you have to worry about. Right. Something that if you, you know, if you drop it on the green and you forget it till you get back to the cart and you're halfway down the next hole, you haven't really lost a lot. Right. Yeah, because I'll tell you what, if I've got a lost city in one hand and my fishing rod in the other one and I have to make a choice, that's going to be a good rest of that cigar. <laughs> fishing rod may go drown. Yeah, I can pick up another one of those a lot easier and cheaper, honestly. 
So we're going to step away for a break real quick. When we come back for the break, I do want to finish up talking a little more, a few more cigars under $8. And then I want you to tell me what's in your humidor for the cruise you're about to go on, because by the time this goes on the air, you're going to be setting sail out of Mobile. I will be. I'm very excited for it, and I've got the... My wife actually posted on Facebook the other night that she can't believe the first thing I packed was my humidor. But there was a lot of psychology went into that, and I can't wait to talk to everyone about that after the break. All right, well, we will be right back with more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is Shane Reeves sitting here enjoying a Baccarat. Which are two words that I wouldn't expect to ever hear in the same sentence. Well, it's funny. Like, during the break, two guys came by and threw nickels at me. Like, Shane? <laughs> well, you look like you're hurting. Yeah. Things are. I mean, all I need to go with this is a Colt 45 bottle of malt liquor or PBR, something along those lines. I wondered why you had the phone number for the suicide prevention hotline over there. <laughs> but I love this cigar. This week is the cigar cast under $8, and I love this cigar. I admit it unabashedly and all it's just a great cigar it's cheap it's inexpensive but it's full of flavor i will definitely take this over any of those hand-rolled monstrosities that Bo tried to foist upon me at one point in my career so i can i absolutely love this smoke now you're smoking something that's actually a much better value than what i am um i well i i guess that's in the eye of the smoke holder but this is the florida loss oh i'm trey Edmond, by the way everybody uh you usually introduce me when we come back from the break uh this is the florida los antias maduro by the my father factory uh it is one of my favorite cigars not only just on a budget but just because it's so consistent and from the moment i lit it up until now that i'm a couple of inches into it it just keeps getting better and better and the flavors, it's blended so well because Don Pepine knows what he's doing that it just, it, you know, some people talk about consistency all the way through. Some people talk about the changing of flavors and stuff like that. And, and everyone has an opinion on what, which one is better. This one just gets more complex and, and mellow, mellows is the wrong word, but, but comes together in such a good way when you get a couple of inches into it. And I just love that. I just enjoy that, and I would say, I would hazard to say that is definitely the most full-bodied smoke that you can drop a $10 bill and have. I would say you're probably right. Now, this is only the second Maduro that I've ever had. So the Florida Los Antillas, I love. The Maduro, and I I had taken the Maduro band off of it, so when all of that stuff I just said, I was thinking about the regular one. The, the Maduro brings just a little extra flavor to the party and a little bit more boldness, and I'm really enjoying that. I will warn all those out there, um, if you are reaching for the Baccarat and you see the Baccarat Candela, don't do it. It's not worth it. Life's too short. <laughs> that, was one of, that was one of those that you take about three puffs and then you just got to turn it loose. There's no way I could smoke an entire Baccarat Candela. 
See, I have, as we've talked before, I have such a hard time smoking candelas in general that I could only imagine what a Baccarat candela would be like. It, it was rough. I, I don't even think that was tobacco anymore. You remember those thorny bushes that grow up in your yard that you have to spray gasoline on them to kill them? Yes. I believe that's what was rolled up in this cigar because <laughs> it, it, it hurt my lips. You could even You could even tell what specific breed of the cow that the fertilizer came from, huh? But coming back, now a staple, again, kind of a middleweight division of the cigar under $8 division is definitely got to be the Brick House. Yeah, it's a very highly rated cigar as well. I've always been a big fan of the Maduro of their line. Uh, The Natural, though, is one of those, it's an unsung hero, it's a sleeper. It'll sneak up on you how good it is. And I think Cigar Aficionado a few years ago rated it, I think, like 93 or something. It was it was in top ten of the year or something like that. Yeah, it's a ninety three rated cigar. It's an excellent cigar, especially for the the money. You know, here the MSRP is five fifty five. You're probably going to be a little closer to eight bucks when you pick one up at your local brick and mortar. I think, although to be fair, with the ninety three rating on that, that was the same year that the Romeo and Julieta Romeo got cigar of the year. So take that for what it's worth. We could do a whole episode on aficionados rating system. And I understand that rating a cigar is pretty subjective, but I don't know how they can get it wrong as often as they do. Right. It makes me wonder. It's like the movie critics who never give a thumbs up to an action-adventure movie because they just don't like it. You know, it's like, well, you got to take this for what it is. And so, yeah, we'll have to do a deep dive into that one of these, one of these times. So now... Tell me about your cruise. So it's a four-day cruise, right? It is. It's a four-day cruise. We're leaving out of Mobile. We're sailing on the Carnival Fantasy, which is a Paradise-class ship, which means it's an 1,800 to 2,200 passenger ship. You sound like a guy who's done this a time or two before. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, this is a cruise tip for everybody out there. The last day at sea on the cruise, they always have an information on cruise seminar. You're on the boat all day. You've kind of done everything you want to do. It's, okay, do I go sit on the deck and have another cigar? You're sunburned. Yeah, you're a little sunburned. You're a little rubbed raw. You've kind of, you know, the vacation is winding down. That's a great hour to go spend because they explain to you where you need to be on the ship. Always try to get a cabin in the middle of the ship if you have any variation of seasickness because that's the most stable part of the ship. They also talk to you about which decks, and whenever you're looking at the floor plan of these ships, look at where the galley is. Be sure you don't have a cabin underneath the galley. Huh. And I always always try to be on deck seven, kind of toward the rear of the ship. I don't have to be right in the middle. like to be kind of toward the rear, so that's generally my sweet spot where economy meets so it's almost so it's almost an insider's look at how to book your all right you've been on a cruise if you like this here are some tips from those of us who know to make your next one even that much more enjoyable and to give you some kind of insider tips kind of thing yeah and you know i've been on the big the sunshine the glory they're the um i think it's called the champion class they're 3600 people vessels um they're 3600 that's how many people are living in the town i grew up in just 
to put that in reference. Oh, yeah. It's it's gigantic. It's a gigantic ship, and unfortunately, it has the same number of restaurants as the 1,800-person ship. All right, so it gets a little busier at peak times. Yeah, you have to time out when you're going to have breakfast and when you're going to have dinner and how you're going to orchestrate that particular portion of the cruise a little better when you're on the big boats. The good news is the big boats tend to have a little better ports of call because they're bringing more money to the situation. Right. But the um, the fantasy class, or the paradise class fantasy, I've been on the fantasy before. Last time I was on the fantasy, I sailed out of Tampa. I went to the Cayman Islands and Cozumel. This time I'm going to Cozumel and back to Costa Maya. Um, last time I was in Costa Maya, we did the dune buggies. We rode down oh, to I a private beach. Oh, it was wonderful. And there laid a hammock with my name on it. I laid down in the hammock and I whipped out a feral flying pig. And I was just about to light it, and I thought, wait, the American in me comes out. I said, wait, this may, he may not want me to smoke this laying in this hammock. And I looked over at my guide, and I held up my cigar, and I said, is this okay? He said, is Mexico. Everything's okay. <laughs> I could have pulled out a joint as long as a baseball bat, and he'd have said, is Mexico. <laughs> I mean, he might as well have just said, can I get you a bottle of tequila with that? <laughs> so when, when you get on the cruise, I know, and, and we'll go into your humidor in, in a moment, but I know you travel well-stocked. Do you have a cigar the first night? Is it something that you do... Do you have a ritual, or is it just whenever the mood strikes you? Do you try and plan that out? I do. I really plan out my first cigar on the cruise. It's usually going to be the best cigar in my humidor. I carry my 40-count humidor with me. Now, the chances of me smoking 40 cigars on the cruise are zero to none. In four days? That's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be a lot of smoking. I don't think I'll smoke that much. I don't think you'd have time for anything else. But I like to have options. I like to have my choices. And I start planning like four months ahead of time. So three or four months ago, I started taking. And when I would see, for instance, when the Avo or the um, Camacho BXPs came out, I picked up a BXP Ecuador and a BXP Corojo and put them in the humidor. Now, have you had either one of those yet? I love them. Okay, I was going to say, you are, you're in for a, a treat if you hadn't. Oh, I've said it before. That's the size that cigar should have always Absolutely. been. Absolutely. Um, when the Opus came out, I picked up a couple of Opus. There's a couple of Eye of the Sharks in there. Um, the, really, you know, the really expensive stuff is always my after-dinner cigar. We usually eat early. We eat early about 5.45 on the boat, so we're done about 7 o'clock. And that's just as the sun's setting and you're up on the deck of the cruise, and that's when I'm going to smoke the $20 plus smoke. Now, is your lovely bride going to enjoy a cigar on the boat with you occasionally? I know she does smoke from time to time, not nearly as frequently as you do. She does. She'll be bringing her 12-count humidor. And, um, okay, it's not that... It's not that I couldn't fit her cigars in my humidor, but here's a travel tip. Yeah. Everything she smokes is flavored. And that's not just a travel tip. That's a good humidor tip is don't ever store your flavors with your non-flavors. Yeah, it tends to bleed over. Even if they're wrapped in cellophane, you will get some bleeding over from one to the other. Which is a lot of times you'll see at your brick and mortar the flavored stuff will either be in a separate cabinet humidor outside from the walk-in or it'll be in really tucked away in its own little corner. And as well it should be. Absolutely. But the um, she will have one with me after dinner most nights. Um, the other things I've been picking up, I've been picking up some tatouage that I don't usually have time to smoke. 
usually Tatawahe, they're usually such short cigars. Um, a little gem that I can't wait to smoke is from Surrogate, the Animal Cracker. Have you ever had an Animal Cracker? I have not. That is a wonderful smoke. It's a little, it's a, probably a 4 by four by 25 It's not a big cigar. It's, that's a really small cigar. But it is packed with flavor. It's definitely the smallest, most flavorful cigar I smoke. And just a wonderful from surrogate. That's the same the same person that blends for Tatawahe blends for surrogate. Oh, okay. I think I knew that at one point. I've got a couple of Southern Draw Kudzus in there. There you go. And the Kudzu is one of my favorite cigars in a Southern Draw Texas company. Uh-huh. And just a new company that's new to me. I just picked them up when I was in a shop that I'm not usually in. Really enjoy them. Have a couple of those in there just for my daily smoke. And I always, our friend Don Gonzalez that was on here, I usually end up bringing several of his because that's a great mid-morning smoke for me. Excellent. So do you smoke usually? I know typically you're a one cigar a day kind of guy, but I guess given that much leisure time, I'm sure that it becomes two or three. It's usually about a three cigar a day for me when I'm on the cruise because I'm I get up, I go to the gym, we have breakfast, and then if we don't have a shore excursion, that's usually the first cigar. Okay. And then about one or two o'clock, I'll catch another one, and then usually going to catch one right after dinner. This time, I have Jay Drescher's book, Glasby's Fortune. If you haven't listened to the podcast with Jay, you should, because it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and so... And, and I think the, the setting, being a pirate-based novel, the setting of being on the high seas is going to make it that much better. I think so. I think the smell of salt water in the air and just enjoying a good cigar and a good book, it's, I think it's going to be perfect. It's something I've really needed is just to unwind. So give me some of your top tips for someone who's maybe never been on a cruise before or has the last time they were on a cruise was before they picked up the hobby of cigars. What are some do's and don'ts or some good tips about smoking cigars on cruises? So there's a couple of things. One, getting there is half the fun. Keep in mind, you cannot fly with a lighter. Even in your checked baggage, That if you don't have a special FCA-approved or FFA-approved case for your lighters, they will not let you get on a plane with a lighter. So I always just buy a lighter wherever I land. Um, there's usually a cigar store around there where I can go pick up a $10 Vertigo. Right. That'll last me the entire cruise. Also, I always carry a three-finger case with me, as well as my big 40-count case, because I don't want to carry the 40-count case up every time I'm going to smoke a cigar. Right. And I don't like to carry a cigar just around in my pocket too much risk of damage. Plus, I don't usually know exactly what I'm going to smoke. I'll pull three and then decide when I get there. That makes sense. So always carry a three-finger case with you. I also carry a single-stick stainless steel case so that when I'm going on an excursion, if I want to stick one in my backpack, I don't have to worry about it taking damage. That's that's a great tip because that's probably that's not something I would have thought about. Yeah, they're, they're super cheap. Less than 10 bucks, you can pick up one. It's a stainless steel case. It'll hold a 6x60, six and you can stick that in your pack, and it can go. you can wreck the doom buggy and still get your cigar out and smoke it. You're like, oh, I, was, I was trying to make an A-team reference, and I couldn't remember his name. Uh, <laughs> Hannibal. Hannibal. Yeah, thank you. So I was going to say B.A. Baracus, but I knew that was the wrong guy. Uh, so 
now with with everything that's happened to smoking and and being able to smoke in designated areas and stuff like that that's happened in terra firma uh, do ships nowadays have designated smoking sections or is outdoors pretty much fair game no they have definite designated areas um, especially for cigars. There's places you, in the ship you can smoke cigarettes, but you can't smoke cigars. The casino is one. Oh. You can smoke cigarettes in the casino, and now this is another one of those little tips. I usually carry one of the tins of Padrones that are about the size of a cigarette, and I'll smoke that while I'm in the casino. If I'm sitting down for an extended game of three-card poker or something like that where I'm going to be there a little while, yeah, I'll have one of those little Padrones, and, they, and the dealer don't never complain. Right. So, especially if you, you know, throw a tip to them ever so often. <laughs> I'm not above bribery. But always carry that. Usually it's deck 10. Usually it's on the upper deck, and it is a smoking area. Now, um, Holland America and Norwegian actually do have cigar lounges on the boats. I remember cruising as a kid before I was of smoking age. I remember a day when there were smoking lounges, libraries, etc. on most of the ships. Well, and it's it don't bother me a bit because they usually have comfortable chairs there. And this is what's funny to me. They pipe music to every corner of that ship except for the stateroom that you sleep in and the cigar area. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm good with that because I'm usually reading or sharing conversation with someone. Um, this, As we've spoke about before, when you have a cigar in your hand, you're approachable. Right. Now, if you've got your cigar in your hand and your head stuck in a book, not as approachable, not as many people going to come up and talk to you. But generally, you're going you're gonna to start encountering the same people up there smoking at the same time you are. Right. And over the course of a few days, you're going to you know, make a few friends. Yeah. And there's, all, of course, the most often, oh, yeah, hey, where did you get that cigar? Do they sell those here? Uh, no, I had to bring that one with me. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I always bring my own cigars. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't buy cigars in the Caribbean. They're just they're moldy. But to me, there's just too much humidity in the Caribbean. Right, and we've talked about that before. Well, and plus we're going to Mexico, which is the king, the knockoff king of the world. Right. Trust me, if you go to Mexico and the guy on the street is holding a pack of Cuban cigars, they're not Cuban cigars. I had an interesting experience at work the other day. One of the young ladies who works for me was talking about when I told her about the podcast. And how it's all about cigars, and she got really excited. She's like, "Oh, my my friend, or we we just got back from the Bahamas, and we picked up a couple of Cuban cigars." And I couldn't. I, I, I the temptation got the better of me, and I was like, "Oh, really? That's what kind? Do you remember what kind they were?" And she told me they were Cohibas. She was like, "And we got a really good deal on them. They were only like five bucks a piece." And I was just like, uh, "Sorry, sweetheart, that wasn't a Cuban cigar. I'm sure it was good, but that wasn't." She's like, "No, these were real." Okay, sure. Yeah. Just okay. <laughs> yeah, there's just, there's factories in Mexico that just make fake Cuban cigars. That's just their goal in life. So, Lord help us if the Chinese ever figure out how to knock off cigars. Oh, but. The cruise, and the cruise is a lot of fun for that. Like I said, I've been planning my humidor for several months because I don't want to go blow two or $300 getting ready for the cruise. But if I spend 10 bucks here and 10 bucks there and maybe 20 bucks on a special one and just build up slowly over the span of three or four months, I can enjoy the cigars more. Right. Because I don't, I don't think about, wow, you know, I burned $300 on cigars this cruise. Yeah, because then every time you light one up, you're going to f- 
it's going to be that Tex Avery cartoon where you see a dollar bill instead of the cigar itself. Exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned the BX, the Camacho BXB. Does that fall into the under eight dollar category? I just, feel like it's really close. Just high and outside. Oh, they're about ten. I think the MSRP is ten dollars and fifty six cents. Okay. So but that's for the six by sixty. Yeah, that's okay. for the the larger of the cigar, which is the only ones I smoke. I I just don't smoke a small cigar well. I think the Toro here is about nine fifty. So yeah. I mean, depending again on state tax, you may be able to get close. But you know, it, so it's not strictly under eight dollars, but it's definitely if you haven't had it, I really recommend checking out specifically the Ecuadorian. I find to be a little bit better than the Corojo, and it's a little bit milder too. If you don't want something that's just going to blow your head off. I enjoy the Corojo, and I always be sure that I'm kind of turning those cigars as I build, because there's nothing worse than a crooked burn when you're sitting on the beach. And that's true of pretty much any box press cigar, and I find that box presses tend to burn uneven more often than round cigars do. And really, the reason for that is that naturally, through the course of smoking a round cigar, you're going to roll it around in your hands, and so the hot spots are going to get moved to the bottom and the top, and they're going to... Whereas with a box press, because of the nature of the shape, you're inclined to just hold it in one spot the whole time. And so you're going to develop some of those hot spots that don't ever move away from the heat, and they just kind of start to burn unevenly. Yeah, the, um, the box press are worse about that. And also, there's some shops that you purchase cigars from that, you know, there's a shop here locally. Every cigar I've ever purchased from there has burned crooked. I don't know why. I don't know what they do. I don't know if they never, if they're, my bet is their humidification system is set too high and they get more humidity on the top of the cigar than the That's bottom. That's possible. But they're, they're humid, you know, they're, and it's, it's one of those shops that it, the only reason I go there is if they have something I can't get nowhere else. Is it, is it a shop that does a lot of business or are they relatively slow? Now they do a lot of business, but they do a lot of super high end business. Gotcha. And they're and the owner's really kind of a jerk. <laughs> so, the, like I said, the only reason I'll go down there is if it's something that I absolutely can't get nowhere else. Right, and I'd imagine it, if there's a, if there is a lot of turnover in their stock, then they're probably not rotating their stock a little quite as much as well. And that is, I will say, one of the most one of the best parts about Crown Cigar here in Brentwood, where we broadcast from. Austin does an excellent job of keeping the inventory rotated. Mm-hmm. I've really been impressed with how well he does keeping his inventory coming in and out. And he sells a lot of cigars here, which right. helps a lot. But I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you have good cigars, you will sell a lot of them. Yeah. If you have poor cigars or if all you have are 18 and $20 cigars, you're just not going to sell as many. Exactly. So he does an excellent job since he took over in March. We're going to have him on a future episode. I'm interested to see how the cigar business has been treating him in the last six months. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting, back and getting him back on the show. Um, we are getting close to the, the end of the show, but I do want to mention one other cigar under $8 just because I've been smoking a lot of them lately and because we always feature one at the end of the show, and so I just want to keep that trend going. And it's the, the Charter Oak. From the Foundation Cigar Factory. Now I know we've we've smoked one on the show before. We've even highlighted them as a cigar under eight dollars before. But I just wanted, you know, since that is kind of the theme of the show tonight, I wanted to reiterate how good that cigar is. 
it is one of those cigars that if it's the end of the night, I've been running around and I just don't have to, if I have to put it down before I finish it to go to bed or whatever, then I'm, I'm fine with it because it retails around the five and a half dollar mark for a Toro. I mean, so you get a good size cigar. It comes in a couple of different sizes, but really look for that cigar. If you, if it, foundation has started popping up in a lot more B&Ms lately. So the odds of you finding it locally are pretty good. It's definitely worth calling your shop and asking for it or making a trip to go get one. Most of the time when they get them in, they are so inexpensive and so good, they leave very quickly. That's what happened to us here at Crown. He just restocked. Right. Because I was picking up a couple of them for the cruise to go in the humidor, and that was one of the things is... Okay, they sold out. Well, I hope you get more in before I get on the boat. Now, is that something that you do as well, which is carry some cigars around that kind of price point so that if someone does really bend your arm to to share, that you have one that you don't feel too bad about letting go? I do, but I always carry a shade for that. because, And I usually carry a shade Toro, one of the smaller shades, because the Charter Oak, for somebody who smokes cigarettes or has never smoked a lot of cigars... Yeah, that would be painful. Yeah, that's too much cigar for a novice cigar smoker. Gotcha. Even though the price is right. But had a lot of fun on the podcast this week. I'm looking forward to my cruise. I'll be back with all kinds of stories of my adventures. Well, I certainly hope you have a wonderful trip, and I'm looking forward to hearing all about it. In the meantime, if you guys want to get in touch with us, there's always email at info at thecigarcast.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thecigarcast. And, of course, we're on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a good week.